the first to bury the hatchet. If we forgive positively, we'll take the initiative in forgiving. I have great difficulty here. If someone apologizes, then I'm usually willing to bury the hatchet, but it's tougher when I've been wronged, or think I have, and my enemy doesn't even admit his error. What about the obnoxious fellow who never says, I'm sorry? Here we can profit by noticing how it is that Christ forgives us. The startling thing about divine love is that God did not wait until we had apologized to send his son. He took the initiative. He took the first step. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is, he did not wait until we were repentant, until we had shaped up, until we had changed our ways. Had he waited, of course, we never would have repented. But because he forgave us when we did not deserve it, or even ask for it, that caught us short. When you have been loved in such a fashion, you want to change. Think for a moment about the people who have loved, or influenced you for good, who have brought out the best in you. Aren't they the people who have taken the initiative with you, who have believed in you and forgiven your faults? And because they accepted you as you were, you wanted to change. In James Helton's novel, Goodbye Mr. Chips, the hero is a shy, inept school teacher, bungling and unattractive in a dozen different ways. And then, something happens. He meets a woman who loves him and whom he loves, and they are married. And because of her, he becomes a kind, gracious, friendly man with everyone. So much so, in fact, that he becomes the most beloved teacher in the school. There is a positive, potential power in love. What did St. Paul mean in his great hymn, To Love, when he said that love does not keep a record of wrongs? I think he meant that to love, we must be able to believe that people's characters do alter, that the leopard can change its spots, that conversions do occur, that people do repent, and that at times they do change. To put it another way, he was urging that when we are in relationships of long-standing, we must live in the present, not in the past, for sooner or later, in any friendship, someone will be wronged. In a weak moment, the beloved will desert us, or severely criticize us, or embarrass us, or walk away from us. And if we allow ourselves to dwell on those misdeeds, the relationship is doomed. Keeping close books on how many wrongs have been done us makes us become accusatory, for most of us have a short memory for our own mistakes. If we are to forgive freely, we need a tolerance of others as generous as that tolerance we display toward our own errors. It is remarkable how understanding we can be of our own flops in interpersonal dealings. We didn't intend the error, or it happened in a moment of stress, or we weren't feeling right that day, or we'll know better next time. We tend to see ourselves not for what we are, but for what we strive to be, whereas we see others for what they are. Jesus, in his encounters with people such as Peter and the woman at the well, saw them for what they were trying to become and what they could be. To extend such understanding toward our intimates can do a great deal to build strong friendships.